0: Hello everyone and welcome to Entitled Town, the show that has more cash changes than 90210. Um, It's Shaq and it would be perfect for me to say that Mike would be out because, well, he's off to Nashville along with Julio Jones, but who would want to go to Nashville? But that's exactly where Julio Jones is and that's where our discussion lies. Um, We have the four horsemen here. We've got Skartzi, we've got Dan from As Patriots Daily, and we've got John Irons, and Scartzi, I'm gonna start with you with this Julio Jones uh, predicament. Uh, Here he goes, three weeks of of hype and pomp and circumstance, and he's going to the Titans. Well, who, who was, well, we already knew kind of what was going to happen thanks to a little lady by the name of Diana Rossini. And uh, I guess she got, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. But him going to the Titans is kind of, well, what do you think about it? Is it is it a shock? Is it a surprise? Or it is is it just, glad, glad that this whole discussion is over because this whole fake discussion of him going to the Patriots was nothing more than fans just getting their hoax up, as they always do.
1: Not just fans, fans with sources, with a Z, sources. sources. (laughs) And it was pretty clear that uh, he was not going to be staying in Atlanta. So he was definitely going somewhere. But the wear very much uh, was up in the air. And he went for less than a first round pick, which the aforementioned uh, Miss Rossini uh, was floated out there. Perhaps uh, as one of the 15 theorized that uh, her breaking the story was a uh, reward for putting that, uh, you know, perhaps a uh, red herring first round pick story out there in the news. Anyways, um, apparently there's uh, apparently the fans with sources aren't as believable as we were led to, uh, led to think. And I'm, I'm shocked, shocked to find out that that's going on.
0: Yeah, it's kind of surprising that fans with sources who claim themselves to be, you know, <clears throat> kings, uh, that are, are spikes, uh, they, they they claim themselves to be the foreknowers of all things patriots. Uh, apparently don't know Jack. So that isn't a shocker. But I mean, we we all we already know the actual spike king. Shout out to shout out to Pete McNulty. Uh <laughs> he's the real spike king. So Everybody should know that,
1: except no substitutes.
0: That's right, uh, John. What was we were just talking about this before we started recording? You had a tweet that, you know, on on social media and on Twitter, it's really hard to get the gist of somebody's inflections unless you can hear them speak. Which is why I'm glad that we're able to do this podcast so that you can actually hear yourself. But you tweeted if Bill Belichick really wanted Julio Jones, he would have traded for him by now. But see, if you said it, if you put and added him in that saying, in a Felger voice or something like that, I think most people would have gotten it. But unfortunately that wasn't the case. So uh, talk about that. And then what are your feelings on Julio? Uh,
2: I actually couldn't believe that the way that blew up uh, with the number of, I've never had a tweet that got that much attention. And I think it was the, the right people got it they got the joke the you know friend of the podcast bruce allen got it you got it <laughs> Shaq. Uh, a few of the guys who you know who you know kind of follow each other you know they they immediately got it but then it got into the the broader pats fan kind of zeitgeist and yeah the comments were a riot and like we were talking about before we were recording it was kind of a Rorschach test you know you that your frame of reference is how you read and understood that tweet you were either a you know kind of in on the sarcasm in on the joke the mac jones sort of reference there or you know you you think you know whoever would say such a thing is a total casual and doesn't understand anything bill belichick's done and and those people actually should be listening to this podcast if you approached it from that and then there were people that agreed with me right <laughs> and you know it's like took it literally and you know i'm not quite sure how i feel about all that but it, it was kind of funny to see it because it was this window into Pat's fandom and how everything is – Is and I'm sure a lot of fan bases are like this, right? Everything is hyper-litigated. In this Julio Jones situation today, the timing of it was serendipitous. Yesterday's tweet and then today's news, the The way that the Julio Jones not being with the Patriots is being viewed by a lot of Patriots fans, it's like they've forgotten the offseason the team's had. They've forgotten the fact that they've added – what'll probably be their top four receivers in free agency and Aguilar and Bourne and the, and the two tight ends, you know, the, the Titans make sense for the Titans. They lost, and I was looking at this earlier, they lost 129 catches off the of last year's team, just among their top guys with Corey Davis going to the jets, Johnny Smith, of course, going to the Pats and um, Humphreys going to the Redskins, right? I think he was fifth on the team in, re- in receptions. He didn't have that many, but you know, they lost three of their top five guys they brought in Josh Reynolds from the Rams to be probably a slot guy. And they had a big open kind of hole on the outside and Julio Jones can fill that, you know, that you get into the cap space issues and, and all that, you know, it, the Titans will be able to make contracts work. They can probably restructure Tannehill and that alone. will make it work for them. but I'll say this about Julio Jones. Do I think he is a, a talented player still? Sure. You can't look at his talent though, outside of his age and his contract. And then you look at the amount of cap space that he would have absorbed with the Patriots It would have limited their ability to improve the roster over the course of the summer, before the season starts, maybe even during the season. Patriots maintain, in typical Patriots fashion, they maintain flexibility. And, you know, the the team is still extremely talented with the, the talent they added at the wide receiver and tight end position. With or without Julio Jones, this is still an
0: outstanding team. It's an outstanding roster. That's exactly what I said on Twitter. Everyone was so thrilled about the offseason. Like, in March, like, if, this is probably, if if this this was a Pats fans with a Z, this is probably their offseason to remember because of all the whirlwind signings that Belichick was doing, from Hunter Henry to Jonah Smith to Devin Gottshow to Jalen Mills, and the list goes on and on, to Nelson Aguilar. It, 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 this was the offseason that they were all begging for, but now, up until these Jones rumors start, and then... The Patriots, it just seems like to me that the Patriots are that team that you got to put into every story, into every rumor, whether it's an agent or a reporter. And, you know, if you have the Patriots there, then it's a good idea that you're going to get a better deal for yourself. So Dan, <laughs> and speaking of, of Twitter and, and idiots making tweets, uh, well, uh, well, Warren Sharp was number one on that list. Uh <laughs> He, a, a, a guy who, by the way, uh Mike vouched for. <clears throat> so you know, we, we we have to count that as a as a demerit on his uh, uh, his, his vouch
2: game. His vouch game <laughs> is very weak right now because there's another guy. There's another guy
0: who was tweeting up a storm earlier today who oh, Mike vouched for too. We'll he get to got him too. later. We're good, we're good, Yep, we'll get to him in a minute. But uh Warren, I want to get to Warren Sharp first, Dan, because this tweet about. He says, a month ago, the Patriots gave up a second and two-fourths to move up eight spots to draft rookie defensive tackle Christian Barmore. Today, the Falcons gave up Julio Jones for a second and a future fourth. Holy disingenuous, Batman.
3: Yeah. Completely without context, too. Um, Just what we predicted last week was going to happen. They're going to rush to find what's the negative of it. And (laughs) right out of the gate, uh, Sharp goes goes to find it. Um, obviously, those those two scenarios don't don't match up. Um, we, Scarsi was just mentioning, or, or John was mentioning as well, uh, the one from Mark Dondero, where uh, he was saying um, the Pats giving a two to the Falcons for Muhammad Sanu hurts even more when ultimately Jesus Julio is traded for a two, <laughs> and and then he, follow, then he followed then he. And then he followed that up, saying Belichick parting, uh, balking at parting with a two and a future four for Julio Jones is straight out of the Danny Ainge playbook for that everyone hated,
0: and complete aids. God, that, that is that is that is, that is your, your your eyes will be bleeding after you read that tweet.
1: Ebola and it leaves out a lot. I mean, it's <laughs> like
3: it takes two people to make a trade. So how do we know that it would have taken? Everybody presumes from that that Belichick, oh, if he just gave the same offer that the Titans gave, well, then they would have made that trade with the Patriots, right? That's that's the presumption of the of the tweet. Who knows, you know, whether the the Titans were the preferred trade partner for for the Falcons, but all of it, it's 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 out of context. It's 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 apples to oranges. Any anything that any comparison you could make like that, it it applies here.
2: Yeah, it's a sloppy comparison. Uh, I mean, the the, the sure, the, the Falcons were the team. The pick was a second rounder. Outside of that, there's nothing similar between the two situations. So I just don't, you know, had the, had the Patriots not done anything in free agency and added, you know, four receivers, two tight ends and two wide receivers, had they not done anything like that, then do you think they're more active in the Julio Jones market? Sure. You know, that would make a lot of sense, right? They would have a, Probably a pretty big hole at wide receiver still. They don't have that hole. They spent the money at wide receiver. They added the talent that they wanted to add, you know, when they when they had the opportunity in free agency. You know, the other thing too is Bill Belichick is the master of being a year early on a guy rather than a year late on a guy. And I think, you know, if you're if you're putting yourself in the shoes of Bill Belichick on this, Julio Jones, 32 years old, missed roughly half the season last year with hamstring issues. And the number of guys who are 32 putting up big numbers and, and, you know, looking at Julio Jones's contract, he's one of the highest paid, maybe the highest paid receiver in football still right in the top, top of the the list still. And, you know, you're paying a ton of money for a guy who is as good as he is. He is on the downside without a doubt. And you've already bolstered your roster in those positions. Why would you, why would Bill Belichick of all people double or triple down at wide receiver, right? After all we've seen over the last, you know, two decades, when you can instead maintain that flexibility and strengthen your roster you know, in, a, in a number of different ways. It just, it didn't really make a lot of sense unless the Falcons were gonna eat a lot of money, right? And they didn't, you know, Falcons didn't need any money. Tennessee gave up a, a two and a, you know, whatever, you know, a couple of mid-round picks swapping.
0: Yeah, and, and I just wanna respond before Dan uh, responds. Uh, <laughs> the biggest part of that deal, and like you just said, John, is Tennessee taking on all of that money? And the past would have been in a totally tight spot if they took that money. The, the draft. Every, everyone's looking at it as far as the draft picks. Okay, whatever. But you can't lose something that you had already. The team's still built to win games. They have, and Mike Reese. Uh, thank God for him. Uh, put out a, a, a tweet that that should give everybody what they want to do. And an idea of what they want to do they're running two tight end sets they have three productive wide receivers and th- that should be it and the backfield is totally loaded so it's of course it's all going to come down to the quarterbacks and you know that's still a developing story but I, I just think that people need to look at it in context instead of looking at it as oh it's these two draft picks and yep. that's hopefully we won't go wrong with that but Dan, you go ahead. That's no, something. To say. That's that's a great point. Well,
3: it's, it's it's a tantalizing thing. I mean, Julio Jones is one of those ultimate heard of him guys. You know that everybody mm-hmm. everybody knows him. Everybody knows what kind of talent he has, and so it's easy to get on the bandwagon there for that. But mm-hmm. John laid it out like uh, last last week about looking at all the different receivers and where that point point of no return comes. Like. Uh, uh, when uh, Moss hit a wall at 33, or, or just looking at some of the aging receivers. And if the Patriots did make a move like that, well, there, there goes their cap flexibility. Now they have to make some moves like, okay, now we've got a, we, they would like to probably take on uh, Gilmore's contract in their own sweet time uh, and, and at, at their schedule, but going after Julio Jones means that becomes a necessity to, to do that. Uh, or or J C Jackson or whomever else they want to extend, and of course that's just pushing cap money out to the future. Uh, right now they're in a, a good place. They've got a solid team that they've that they've both drafted and brought in via free agency and built on their own, and they have that flexibility to go into the season. And it's it's understandable why they didn't make that move.
0: Yep. Agreed. Yeah, yeah and. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much done with this. Is anybody else have anything else to say? Because, look, it's he's not oh, on the... Uh, just
1: that uh, just if we were the uh, Titan Town podcast, we'd be listing his superlatives <laughs> over the last 10 years oh, yeah. in the season and being wicked excited. Perfect. But we're, we're not, moves. so we're talking about the fact all that it. uh, it's not a good fit and uh, <laughs> salary implications. Exactly. Which is all true. It's all very dependent on your point of view with regard to this. So, that's that, and just a Circling back to uh, Dundero there, comparing a mid season October uh, acquisition to something that's happening in June before the season is, you know, asinine at best Absolutely. and just, you know, a, a, a cry for attention otherwise.
0: Yeah. Can I, I, I don't want to shut that down because I'm tired of hearing this. Oh, it's a new, this and that. Sanu, think about the perspective of when the trade happened and why the trade happened. First of all, you had Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time, obviously. You had him, and, and there are some reports out there that were saying that he that he was targeting Sanu himself, and that's this is and this was the last season of him being a Patriot. So a lot of that had to do with Belichick saying, "Hey, why don't we try to get that guy?" And number and number two, of course, the offense was struggling in 2019 and especially during that time. So you bring in Sanu for a second-round pick. You're you're kind of in a need to get somebody in there. And what does Sanu do the first game? It's against Baltimore. He has 10 catches. He's mm-hmm. pretty productive. And then he gets hurt. Yeah. So I don't want people to, to, to keep pushing this narrative of, oh, well, Sanu didn't do anything. Well, that was because he got hurt. Well, you can't make the club from the tub. That's obvious. But he was productive in that one game that he was. So did it work out? Maybe not, but it's an apples to apple apples to oranges situation, and you shouldn't really be comparing that. I think it's pretty, you have to have everything into context. And we lose that context, and it's not it's not relevant to the discussion. Yeah. So so yeah, I'm done with that Julio Jones story. Enjoy yourself. Uh the Atlanta Falcons apparently thinks he died thanks to the to his thanks to their Twitter, you know, with the with the uh F 451 flying across the sky. So you know RIP in peace, Julio Jones. Um so next up I want to go to Dan because Dan uh, in uh our chat thread earlier this week he listened you listened to uh the Tommy Curran podcast and you're talking about Phil Perry, who was talking about a Bill Belichick press conference that he had prior to the Arizona Cardinals game last year. So, and apparently it has everything that we were talking about. Yeah. Actually, I
3: want to call out Phil Perry on a couple of things. Um, Back at draft time on the the first night after the first night was over, um, he had something calling out the, um, uh, pointing out the the roster. He was taking a look at the roster, and he was saying, "You know what? With all these free agency pickups, I'm 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 not seeing many spaces for the to for people to make the Patriots. So this might be the opportunity for the Patriots to to move up, which is what they did the following day when they uh, traded up for Christian Barmore. Uh, you know, the the too much that <laughs> they gave up too much per
0: uh, Warren Sharp."
3: But anyway, for, for the bad
0: guy, he's, don't forget Christian Barmore, he's done something really heinous and horrible. We can't tell you <laughs> what, but yeah, he don't did it. I, I don't know why.
3: I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, for, for Christian Barmore's sake, we can't say what he did. But, <laughs> it's really oh bad. Gosh. I, th- I think we probably, just like with the Twitter feed, John, we need some sort of uh, uh, sarcasm signal oh, <laughs> <laughs> as we're doing it because people can't see our faces yeah. and, and the air quotes. Uh, so this week uh, in text um, with Tommy Curran's podcast, uh, Perry found uh, a press conference that Belichick did last November just before the, the Cardinals game. And there were two good questions in the press conference. One was asking about Kyler Murray and how Arizona changed their roster on the fly over the course of two years and how uh, Murray's rookie contract and the fact that he's this great player was to the team's great benefit and he was just asking about the, the rookie scale and things like that. And, and Belichick uh, answered it. Let me find some, just some aspects of it. Teams that have had young quarterbacks that have been productive have been able to take those resources and put those into other positions on the team. And then once the quarterback hits their, let's call it close to market value type contracts, then that process shifts away a, a little bit in some way, whether it's cap borrowing or just less spending on the other positions because you reallocate realloc- to the quarterback. But uh, let's see. But in general, he's, he's, he's talking about the same thing that we've been talking about for months, that this rookie scale and getting that, that quarterback on that, that first-round rookie deal where you have control of him for five years has uh, benefits across the rest of the roster and, and, and in your team building. And it was, it was just a great call-out by Perry, and I wanted to highlight that. Um, another question, another follow-up with that, he said it's, it's uh, definitely changed the roster building component of it. I mean, the key, obviously, is to have a good good player. There are some teams that have gone to free agency to put that money, invested that money into free agent, um, as opposed to the rookies that are less expensive. But the goal, that's the goal with, with every team. However, that happens... Then you work around it. So he's saying if you if it's a young player, it gives you more cap flexibility. Bingo, that's what we've been saying all around.
2: Yeah, 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 and you know I'm glad you called out that Phil Perry thing because I remember that comment he made between round one and and round two and three. I think what the people in sports called day one and day two of the NFL draft. The the point he made I thought was a really good point and. You know, it also, we talked about this a little bit in the chat thread around, you know, around that time uh, of the draft. There's a a really fun, in air quotes, immediate narrative on the horizon. You know, Phil Perry properly pointed out there's not a lot of spots available on this Patriots team. So you have a number of recent Patriot draft picks that are on the cusp of being failed draft picks. More Bill Belichick misses because the roster is so strong guys aren't going to make the team. And I thought Perry kind of got into that space a little bit in a good way. And, uh, you know, I thought we had some fun in the, in the chat talking about it. So going back to those comments with Kyla Murray, I mean, we talked about these things, the, the benefit you get as a team with a rookie quarterback who's talented. I mean, he has to perform as, as, you know, as we all understand. But when you have that sort of financial flexibility at the quarterback position, when so many teams are tied up with big big numbers at that spot, it gives you the opportunity to build out a really strong roster. So, you know, the the, the strength and the depth of this roster with a 17-game season is going to be something I think in, in of course Bill Belichick teams, you know, I mean, I know they don't always start two and two in September, but even if they start two and two in September, 17-game season, this team is gonna be playing its best football down the stretch. You in in not only because of the way they're coached, but because of the depth they've amassed. So I thought that was a good point, Dan. I'm glad you raised it.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, and speaking of press conferences and, and having the right amount of access, uh, our, our friend uh, Mittens-wearing dull, dull, dullard, uh, Ben Bolan had a, an amazing, unbelievable tweet that he actually deleted, which, you know, for somebody like him to delete a tweet, it meant that he was getting a lot of heat. Um, I'm going to try to find it, but John... Talk about this this whole thing about uh, well, it first of all it started with Naomi Osaka, but also this entire thing about uh, and, and and also the NFL uh, having a lot of, of this locker room access and all these reporters who are whining about oh well you need you need us you need us to t- to to give you all these questions what do you think about it?
2: Yeah, you know, it's I'm a little bit of two minds on this. And and Mike and I were actually going back and forth on this. So he's not here on the pod today to defend himself. So I'll tell you he was totally wrong in, in what he was saying to me. But my point on this was you kind of do need, you know, there there is a there is enough of a kind of a fandom out there that that wants access, right? And the, the media has a role, the sports media has a role in providing access. I think my problem is, and, and it's tough to be nuanced on social media, right? So I look at guys like Volan and I'm like, well, you know, I don't want him to have access. You know, I, I, I he just doesn't bring anything to the table. I want Jeff Howe to have access. I want Mike Reese to have access. Um, maybe there's a few other guys that I want to have access, but there are definitely people I don't want to have access. And then of course you get into the, Issues around a free pet a free press and a First Amendment and you know the, the the historic and traditional roles of newspapers as it relates to all the things that they cover. And you know, y- you have to you have to give the people like Volan access in order to give the people like how access. You can't, you can't choose, right? You can't you can't choose it. So do I do I want better access and better coverage? Absolutely. I think we all do. But I, I kind of see the point of the, the media on this one with you know giving more access. I just wish they were better at the access they got. You know, I just wish, I mean, I grew up reading Sports Illustrated and you know, some of the long form stuff in Sports Illustrated, some of the great storytelling in Sports Illustrated, it's it's just not a lot of that now. It really is too much of a the, the volin breer kind of snarky, Warren Sharp type, snarky social media stuff. And it's, it makes perfect sense to want to limit the access of people that are dealing in bad faith. But, you know, not to get all biblical, if there is one person in the, in the tribe who is providing great access like Mike Reese and Jeff Howe, you know, I mean, I, I do want that. I do want the storytelling from the Reese's and the Jeff Howe's, I do want that insight. And if that's the price that we have to put up with John Henry's baseball paper and the minimum wage writers they hire to cover the Patriots, then I guess, you know, that's the price we pay.
0: Yeah, the the tweet that Voen deleted said, not a good look for Osaka. The big bad media is not out to get you. <laughs> yeah, the the big bad media with the with the big bad Voen eating his crayons.
2: Well, and, and you know, I, I saw somebody, and I don't follow tennis, you know, men's or women's tennis, but I saw somebody put up, I think it's Coco Goff, mm-hmm. right? One of the questions she got about like kind of likening her to Serena Williams, and it was just so ham-handed. If it wasn't like racial and kind of bigoted, it was like kissing the border of that, right? And you know, people, people, and that was I think in 2019, if I can remember that tweet correctly, that that kind of comment correctly. So can I can I understand where Osaka is coming from here in not wanting to deal with with these journalists and the kind of you know. Maybe nasty questions they're getting asked and have nothing to do with their tennis. And, you know, absolutely understand that. You know, it, it's, it's kind of, it, it's just not good enough. The coverage isn't good enough. And I think that's what people are rebelling against. I don't want people who aren't good at their jobs, who aren't acting in good faith to have access and provide that sort of coverage. But, you know, we, we it's, it's really, you, you're
0: not able to make that choice sometimes. And, and see, for me, in, in the Baltese card, see, oh and then uh, the thing about the NFL locker rooms is they're likely to, to remain closed to the media for the foreseeable future and of course you had all of the the parade of stars and when I mean by stars I mean uh media idiots um the parade of stars going oh you need open locker rooms they provide better coverage for everyone but if you're somebody like a uh a Greg Bedard or Ben Bowen who you know is coming in there for an agenda and you know is coming in there for a specific reason and that's not to uh be a Mike Reese or Jeff Howe and to just report the acts and get the information is to perceive a type of narrative and to get it out then what's the use?
1: Well I said it on Twitter and I'll say it now here if keeping the uh, locker rooms closed because of COVID Saves just one life; it'll be worth it. <laughs> and uh, just, uh, I from what I can disguise. tell, most of the most of the folks who are most chuffed by this, uh, by this, is you know, self-important sports people, sports media, and a lot of them were in newspapers. And the newspapers have changed. It's no longer that uh, Lord and Taylor and Jordan Marsh are buying twenty pages of ads in your newspaper so you can pay for everything. Uh, Dan Shaughnessy was talking about the Osaka thing in uh, his uh, week uh, week uh, ripoff of the uh, sports junk drawer in uh, today's Sunday paper. <laughs> t- t- tomato, can, <laughs> tomato
0: can times, is that what uh, it's here, here we
1: go. It's hard to know where to start with the Naomi Osaka controversy at the French Open. A star tennis player is above all a human being. Osaka's disclosure that she has mental health issues supersedes everything else we wish her the best and applaud her bravery for shining light and important issue. Osaka deserves compassion, privacy and respect. And now the pivot. That said, her withdrawal from the major was global news and raises many issues. It talks about uh, how, you know, this is the life that they've chose and a very nice thing. Well, she made approximately $34 million from endorsement deals. And that means you have to talk to the public and the media, apparently. I don't see the connection there that, uh, well, you, well, you earned money. So uh, if we want to uh, bug you, you you have to, you have to do that. It's, it's ridiculous. The, uh, the, the self-importance is off the charts and I am, it's a, it's exasperating.
0: And, And even more so now than ever before the media, as far as traditional quote unquote media, it's not really needed that much because if players want to get their feelings out there, they're not going to go to a reporter and tell them everything unless that reporter is trusted and they trust them and they have a relationship. They'll just go right on Twitter and say it, or they'll just go on their YouTube channel and say it because that's the way of the world nowadays as far as these athletes who have these avenues to do that. But Dan, I mean, I'll just say this. If the Globe actually cared about they're the best having the best possible NFL coverage, then you wouldn't have a mittens holding dullard than covering the team for the Patriots. But yeah. you know, to that's be just fair,
1: me. he's the, uh, he's their entire NFL. He covers the entire NFL. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like, senior, uh,
0: senior NFL reporter. He's a
1: senior NFL. Uh, Jim McBride is their, uh, is their uh, Patriots, uh, Patri- does enough. their Patriots coverage and does a good job. Yes. You don't usually hear, you don't usually hear bad things about him. And that's uh, usually a good sign.
2: Yeah, globe, globe writers are like umpires. If we're not talking about them, they're doing an okay job.
1: Correct.
3: <laughs> or offensive linemen. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the case of Vol and his very existence at the Globe just proves uh, there's an agenda behind it from from yeah. ab- above him. You know, if, if they don't have a problem with him, if they don't have a problem just with his. He had something on a podcast uh, like a month ago where – uh, I, I laughed out loud because he said uh, the globe has a very strict two source requirement <laughs> and, and I'm thinking what what have ever been Ben Volan's two sources like his, his ass in the wind his... <laughs> um, but I, I going back to what we were saying with access that, that's been something that's been a discussion forever I think of Bob Ryan a lot with this where with the onset of, of the digital media and, and Twitter and Facebook and, and social media, just in general. Uh, I, I, th- I think that they're, the old-timers yearned for the, the days when they were the only game in town, when they yeah. had the courtside seats and, and unfettered access. And it, it created sort of this belief in them that they were with the team, that they had the, they, they were experts on the team. And I, I understand the access argument nowadays just because there's nothing that proves that the people that are covering the sport have an expertise um, that that should uh, give them that extra extra access. And until somebody can can prove that uh, they're trustworthy with that access, I, I have no problem with keeping them out of the locker room. Sure, and yeah. the flip
1: side of that is the uh, Ron Borges, if you knew what I knew, sort of stuff that the access gives them uh, gives them the uh, cover to. Pull, try and pull the wool over our eyes.
2: Yep. insinuation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you guys. You guys
1: insinuation. Make, yeah,
2: you guys make great points. And that's I think that's what makes this one such a hard one for me because you know there are the Borgeses and the Bedards and Volans and you know, but then there's the the how the reese you know I, I read Mike's you know stuff all the time on ESPN right and you know the relationships lead, lead to trust leads to storytelling and that access that Mike gets you know, he's able to tell stories in his writing that as a fan, I enjoy. I seek out his stuff. I don't seek out Ben Voland's stuff, right? But, you you know, you put yourself in the shoes of an organization, you can't just give Mike Reese access to the locker room, right? You have to give the senior NFL writer for the Boston Globe, you know, access to the Patriot locker room if, if Mike Reese and Jeff Howe get it. So we're stuck with you know, would I like to see the Patriots hold some of the writers more accountable? Would I like to see, you know, the stuff that Bernard said about Barmore, you know, would I like to see an accounting for that? Would I like to see the the writers who are serious, you know, police one another better? You know, know, would I like to see um, the better, more serious writers out the writers who are asking the ridiculous questions at the press conferences? Like, I'd like to know who's asking the ridiculous questions. It'd be nice if somebody kept score of these things. Right. You know, that sort of accountability might clean it up, but, you know, there there is still a role, I think, for, you know, for access. And and if they can't go in person and they have to do the Zoom thing, you know, for the foreseeable future, then the better reporters will rise to the top. They will navigate the technology. They will ask smarter questions. They will build relationships and they will rise to the top and maybe we'll get a better media out of it uh, in the coming year. So maybe that's that's my my cautious optimism, my toxic positivity on this one.
0: That's a good kid. pasta pasta and my uh closing thoughts on this is that's why i'm glad that the patriots signed a guy like kyle van noy who's the antithesis of everything that the traditional media does not like he's a guy who will go after these people who you know have any type of slight against him and i'm a big fan of that because i and i wish a lot of athletes actually you know, went after these guys, because if they're saying something that's not true about you, then yeah, you have the right to defend yourself. Because first of all, <laughs> these guys, yeah, is there a right to free speech? Absolutely. But there's also uh, the the point of having uh, their consequences for what you say. And it's like the podcast that Mike and I did about uh Bedard and all the people at 98.5, the sports clan, all these people who feel that they are some, they are above The law and above any type of consequence because they're number one in New England, which we have to talk about that. That's an unbelievable uh, circumstance, Uh, and we have to also talk about uh, guys like uh, the guys like the Patriots who are accepting that. But that's a whole different story for another day. But there has to be some type of consequence or some type of pushback for these guys who are talking whole a whole bunch of nonsense so i think and i i agree i see where you're going with that john with the you have got to give people the access because you have to get all types of perspectives but also you know just make sure when you're giving that perspective you know what you're talking about
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i wish I, I think we all wish that right
0: yeah so uh yeah, I, I, w- I would definitely give my three wishes, my Aladdin three wishes. That would be all three of them. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm going to lead off this next uh, topic because, uh, and this is probably just be a, a five-minute spiel because I'm, I'm tired of talking about this, but uh, Bill Cower came out with a new, it's coming out with a new autobiography. And uh, well, if you asked uh, somebody like uh, Mike Florio, who's you know the TMZ of football, he'd say, he steers clear of Spygate you know, instead of, and then he said, oh, uh, Floyd says, he explains the decision to omit the cheating scandal that may have kept the Steelers out of a Super Bowl. Instead of framing it the way Cowher said it, by saying, well, he, basically what he said during the height of Spygate in 07, and I quote, we didn't lose the game because of any Spygate, because of them having any additional things. So basically... I, th- I just think that it's it's. Well, first of all, Bravo to Bill Cowher because he's a smart person. You know, unlike the current culture of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who likes to trip people. Uh, Mike Mike. Uh, I don't know what his name is. Omar from The Wire. He likes to trip people. So. Mike Tomlin. My, my Tom, Mike Tomlin. Uh, you know who's like well, you know what they do over there in Gillette Stadium. You know, putting my putting,
1: headset just went out. Oh. <laughs> Well, it, we, that's what that's what happens down there.
0: Didn't we already have that problem two weeks
1: ago, Scotty? With you, we we did, we did, and I, it's it, it, it was probably interference from the lighthouse. As long as it, you didn't have to listen to Zolak. <laughs> exactly. That's a, a unicorns than and show ponies. <laughs> yeah, but, but you, oh, go ahead, Scotty. Oh no, no, no! You 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 continue with your thoughts.
0: No, it's just amazing to me where, and this is another portion of it where the media frames a story in the way they want to frame it, instead of putting it towards the way it's supposed to be framed, which is the principal subject of this story, Bill Cowher, saying that it didn't matter. So I just, I just, I just think it's pretty funny and that, and again, taping signals, legal, the location, not, and the punishment served that should be it. But there's no omitting. There's no, uh, he's, he's taking it out because of whatever. It's, it's just, it is what it is. Go ahead, Dan.
3: You know, what was interesting about this was how the genesis of this was Coward didn't have Spygate in the book. And this is the first (laughs) time I've seen an article that was generated from the idea that, hey, he wrote this book. Let's talk about the thing that's not in it. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and and Ed Bouchette Absolutely. went and followed up, and he, you know, it was it was a good follow up to, to say, hey, why why didn't you do it? And and Cower was consistent with everything that he said all the way back to two thousand seven. That's not the reason why we lost. We didn't execute. But <laughs> it it'll it, that Spygate never dies.
2: Spygate will never die. Yeah, John. Yeah. So just one other thing goes to something you said at the beginning of the podcast, Shaq, the the Patriots being in every story, you know, and to Dan's point, yeah. you know, Bill Cowher writes a book, doesn't include Spygate, the headlines about the book. I don't know anything about the book, except what's not in it. Spygate, right? I don't know what Bill Cowher talking about in his book, but I know what he's not talking about. And that's it's you know, that's the thing about being a Pats fan. It's like heavy as the head. I know some other team is the defending champions right now. I'm not I can't remember who it is, but 20 years of, of excellence. You know, heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? The Patriots remain yeah. the dominant franchise in the NFL. And, they, and, you know, they, they will for the foreseeable future. It's going to take a while for, for this Patriot fatigue and Patriot hatred and all these other, you know, players are going to retire and coaches are going to go off to the yeah. – out to pasture. And they're going to write their books and tell their stories. And all those stories will be about the Patriots, right? The, the team that – when they finally beat the Patriots or that agonizing loss to the Patriots, I mean – you know, so I mean, just buckle in. We got probably at
0: least ten more years of this. Yeah, and I have a feeling that even after Belichick's gone and Kraft's gone, and even Jonathan Kraft, even when that entire regime is gone, I still think there'll be a little bit of of a hissing of, oh, Bang, you bad. You know, I, I still think that there'll be that little remark of, oh, they're they're not so good, just because I I just think twenty years have been embellished in people so much that. I mean, I just love how people twist themselves to explain the way the Patriots' success from 2001 to 2019, and during both scandals, the Gate and SpyGate, everyone said that, "Oh, now, uh, like, uh, w- w- I don't know what his name is, uh, Mike Kenzo, you're in big effing trouble."
2: So yeah, they'll he- never
0: be able they'll never be able to reach the same amount of success now that they were able to, you know, get away with those scandals. And then they still win. (laughs) So how do you explain that? I mean, in most cases, you're even more dominant after the fact, after the scandals. So
2: I'd liken it, you know, living out west, you run into the occasional Raiders fan, right, who's 60 years old, looks like they're 80 years old, with commitment to excellence tatted across their back, right? It's like, you know, I you're still living off of something in the 70s, right, rocking your commitment to excellence tat. So we, you know, 10 years may not be enough for Patriots fans to to trade on, right? We may be trading on this stuff until we're 60 years old, looking like we're 80 years old.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and this is a perfect segue to our uh, email segment, because uh, our friend Pat Nagawam actually had an email regarding Spygate, well, sort of regarding Spygate, and he titled it Clickbait. He says, I clicked on a story regarding the videotaping scandal of 2007, commonly referred to as Spygate, recently. Why? I don't know. I must have been stoned and looking for a good laugh. <laughs> my question for the experts is this: Are the ratings for the four-letter network so far down the shitter that they have to rehash bogus stories to get clicks and views? I already know the answer, but would love to hear you guys riff on this. Well, my answer to that would be yes. The ratings are down very badly. In fact, so much so that they've had a lot of uh, they've had a lot of changes to their staff. They've had a lot of uh, changes to their schedule. They've gotten more sports than, as if, we, as if we don't need any more of the same old hot take shows. They've gotten more of those. And and then that's, an, that's another show that, that we could go into, all the, the birth of these 24-7 hot take shows and how they've ruined the sports discourse and discussion. But the, yeah, ESPN, anybody want to chime in on what they think about them focusing on this particular issue and how, you know, or how, how desperate they might be.
1: Well, you don't issue a 2 a.m. apology and not mean. It. No. <laughs> they know that, uh, they know that, you know, something that's viewed as being anti-Patriots or anti-Belichick or anti-Craft or any combination of the three is going to draw viewers. It's going to draw clicks. they they've got, it's, uh, they're playing the hits and the hits sell. In the rest of the country. Now there are times where I want to uh, just you know put on the black hat as it were and just uh, just uh, just relish that but it, it, the, the, the mistakes people make the, the with regard to the, the scandals it's there's there's no people are not interested in finding out the truth if it uh, doesn't uh, doesn't reinforce their priors a little bit like a game of
3: telephone where the story keeps being retold and, and changing as it goes around the campfire. Cause they, that's one of the things that we, when we talked about that, uh, that um, the specter um, Trump story, how all of a sudden some of the other details were so yeah. different from back in 2007. So it, it just, you know, they're going toward their desired narrative, not, not toward anything, uh, a desire to be honest and truthful.
0: Yeah, the, the, it, it's the best. Uh, what 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 is it? Uh, if it bleeds, it leads. A car crash sells more than uh, a cat getting into a tree. Getting getting uh, rescued from a tree. Uh, oh, yeah. So, oh, did you want to say something? Oh no. Nope. Okay. Well, yeah. So. Uh, More emails, uh, because I guess this is a listener email segment. Uh, Vinny Jace uh, has the title of the subject is Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi, which I think is another perfectly timed email, considering what we've been talking about uh, with Julio and the way the Patriots offense has shaped over the offseason. He says, why do people think signing free agents, Jono Smith and Hunter Henry, means Belichick whiffed and has given up on Keen and Asiasi. Julian Edelman sat in the wings of the wide receiver depth chart for multiple seasons before he was given the call up. I think that's a perfect question, and I'm not even sure why they think why it, it's another case of A plus B equals twenty five thousand. There's, <laughs> there's no there's no correlation to any of that. Uh, in fact, I think. Uh, more than Dalton Keene. I think Devin Asiasi, I don't think they're giving up on him. I think that they're still going to put him into into multiple positions, maybe even fullback. You know, there's there's always a chance of that with Dan Vitale, uh, getting leaving the roster. So uh, what do you guys think about uh, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene?
2: I'll, I'll start. I was looking at Keene's numbers um, from the combine, you know, last year, last year's draft. And his athleticism numbers were really, really good, which made me think that it wouldn't surprise me at all if they move him into sort of an H-back kind of role. I don't know if that's happening uh, in camp yet. I don't know if if there's really been any talk about that. But it's no surprise, I think, to any of us that rookie receivers, rookie tight ends struggle in that offense. And you know, with the, the situation with COVID, the situation with Cam as a first-year quarterback, there was a lot of kind of reasons why those guys were going to struggle, you know, uh, in year one. So a lot of this stuff is, you know, how how bad do they want it? If they came into camp healthy, uh, in great shape, they've been, you know, getting ready for the season, they've got better familiarity with the playbook. You know, if, if all those things are aligned, I don't think there's any reason why Bill Belichick has given up on those guys. I mean, you, the, the, the there's plenty of opportunity. Um, all sorts of things happen. The NFL is a game of attrition, right? You've got depth up and down the roster. Guys are going to have their moments and their opportunities. And I thought Asi Asi showed some nice flashes last season toward the end of the season. And Keen, you know, didn't have an opportunity to show much. But, you know, I thought it's a great question. Uh, I don't think those guys are forgotten at all, at least not in my mind.
1: I think uh, some of the problem is the fact that they've, got to follow up the lead of, uh, Gronkowski and Hernandez back in 2010. I mean, they, they started uh, almost immediately and, uh, paid dividends almost immediately. And that's a, that was a tough act to follow. And anytime that, you know, uh, that, uh, that doesn't happen that way, the fans start, you know, why aren't they, uh, why aren't we getting production? Like we got from those guys, which is unrealistic, uh, at this juncture.
3: Uh, a multiple tight end offense requires multiple tight ends, you know, <laughs> just because they have Henry and, and Smith in place. They, they you know, they, even when they had uh, other greats, they, they still were playing like tackles were bringing, mm-hmm. bringing in like a six, six lineman to play tight end. Um, they need it. They they've, they've had two top tight ends and a third and then a, then a fullback. Yeah. I expect them to be on the, on the roster.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I want, you want some. Know. I want some more five tight end sets out there.
2: That was, that was <laughs> thrilling. Is that a is that a fifteen formation? <laughs> I don't even know what that is.
3: Jim <laughs> Harbaugh preemptively uh, is is mm-hmm. complaining to the league.
2: I, I want all those tight ends wearing weird numbers. <laughs>
1: well, that's legal now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Any other questions, Shaq?
0: Uh, yeah, Vinny has actually three, well, two questions, and this next one, uh, I'm going to bow out, and I'm going to let you guys answer because, uh, yeah, uh, again, if if any of you don't know, t- uh, Token Millennial on, on the podcast, so uh, so I'm going to let you guys uh, answer this one. Uh, not A non-sequitur follow-up, do the 1976 Patriots beat the Steelers and Vikings if the Sugar Bear Hamilton roughing the passer penalty hadn't been called? Oh, there's no doubt.
2: What kind of question is that the Vikings? <laughs> the Vikings were the Vikings were going to get steamrolled. I think the Raiders and the Steelers would have beaten them. I mean, Joe Cap was the quarterback for that Vikings team. Um, you know, it's, uh, Dan and Scarty might remember watching him play. I mean, most most pictures of Joe Cap show him bloodied, smoking a cigarette on the bench. I think it's kind of the, of the era. Cap was a Patriot quarterback briefly as well, and was a disaster in New England. So yeah, the, that was a great team. Would they have beaten the Steelers would have been a hell of a game. I uh, wish they had the chance to compete against them. It's a great question. I think we'll have to get uh, I'll get feedback from Dad on that one. See what he see what he has to say. I don't think I've ever asked him that question. But the Vikings, I think they would have they would have taken care of the Vikings. What do you guys think?
1: Oh, I I can only agree. If if I could agree more than a hundred percent with that, I would. But yeah, it's uh, it's one of those great uh, great unknowns. If if things had uh, things had gone the way they should have gone, in mm-hmm. uh, the in my estimation.
3: It was a tad before when I started watching the Patriots. Uh, that said, absolutely, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just just looking at the numbers as it is, you know, Granted, you know, f- football isn't played on a spreadsheet. Uh, yeah. I'm sure I'm mangling the phrase here or whatever, but uh, but that was that was a that was a very good team that got uh, that got one uh, one heck of a bad break there at, uh, at the worst possible time.
2: Well, I think we all know Mike Haynes' VORP is way greater than Mel Blunt's. So, playing on a spreadsheet, Patriots win handily. I think so.
0: Okay, cool. And uh, the last one from Vinny, uh, another non You guys talked about John Smith on the last episode. Uh-oh. I am very young and was not around for his era, but all I know about him is he was the kicker for New England when Howard Cosell told the world John Lennon hadn't shot dead during a Monday night football broadcast as Smith was lining up for a long-range field goal attempt versus the Dolphins at the Orange Bowl. Okay,
2: <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, he, I mean, he was. I can, I can picture that clip. I mean, I think probably all of us know that clip. And yeah, hit me. I mean, war number one, um, barefoot. Uh, no, no, not a barefoot kicker, soccer style kicker. Uh, mm-hmm. When that was still kind of a new thing, Tony Franklin was barefoot, kind of one of the last barefoot kickers out there. Um, But yeah, Smith was, he was from England, um, didn't play college soccer, as I recall. Um, But oh, this is what I wanted to say. So I'm going to just segue just briefly. Growing up, two things we heard a lot. The Patriots screwed up getting rid of John Spagnola. Skartsy, Dan, you guys nodding your head on that one. And they doubly (laughs) screwed up getting rid of Nick Lowry. So the John Smith era never should have happened. The Patriots had Nick Lowry in camp, right? And kicked for them in two games, I believe in, I'm going to mess up the year now. I think it was 77, 78. And they waved Lowry. They had another guy in his name. I can't remember right now. is terrible. He hit like 50% of his kicks. And then Lowry goes off, bounces around a little bit, a couple more camps, hooks on with Casey and, you know, becomes one of the greatest kickers of all time. So I've, I've, I neglected to mention Lowry last week's podcast. Oh. The, 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 the curse of Nick <laughs> Lowry, the Patriots kicking woes. Adam Vinatieri saved the Patriots from the curse of Nick Lowry. And of course, who gets the blame for both Spagnola and Lowry? Upton Bell. That's all I got.
0: Oh, boy. Upton Bell. Pertie, do
3: what
1: you remember follow. Spagnola? Just vaguely.
2: Spagnola was a, a multi-time All-Pro with the Eagles, at least two, two uh, All-Pros with the Eagles. And they kept, in, in my house growing up, they kept Don Hasselbeck over Spagnola. And every time the Eagles were on, oh, man, Spagnola should have been a Patriot. <laughs> <laughs> so anytime I think of those 70s teams, I always think about the misses as well. Lowry and Spagnola. I hope there's somebody out there listening who can appreciate that.
0: There probably is. All right. Well, I I think we're almost uh, sort of a podcast. Um, Oh, I I think we're going to go to Scartzi first for the final thoughts because, uh, yeah, I think this podcast, I think, is – I think we've run the gamut with a lot of stuff.
1: I think we've done pretty good with that. All right. And uh, thank you for taking some some first seat reps with uh, (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> with uh iron out uh grinding tape right now yeah
0: w- yeah uh i yeah i've, I've been pushing to the podcaster one role for uh for now because uh mike's mike's computer is doing backflips on him so hopefully he'll be back uh the next time around
1: so not a cool thing but uh my final thoughts uh happy belated birthday to mr big himself robert Kraft. I yep. hope you gave uh, Troy Brown the day off from being a human shield, and uh, <laughs> you know, thanks for all that you've done for the uh, for the region. You
0: absolutely, know, legitimately, absolutely. Uh, and for people out there who say, uh, "Oh, Patriots fans are bang there are bandwagoners," I am sure there are some, but you can't deny the facts that since nineteen ninety four, the Patriots have sold out every home game, and you can't say that for a lot of teams out there in sports. So that that goes to show you that what, what Kraft has built throughout this entire 20 year history. And they had a, there's an account out there that I, I believe it's a Pat's uh, time machine. you should follow it. It's a really good follow going through uh, to the 2001 season. And they're up to the point now where they demolished <laughs> Foxboro stadium and they're building uh, what was Going to be called CMGI Field, what turned out to be Gillette Stadium. Uh, so it's a good follow. CMGI yeah. Field, so, I remember
2: that. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a trip down memory lane right there.
1: Call me Gillette instead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I'll tell you real quick. Yeah. Okay, Dan. Throw it to Dan. Yeah. Um, the Mike's not here, so you know we actually didn't give him enough grief for for missing <laughs> this one, uh, in part because Shaq did such a great job in in the the podcast one chair we kind of maybe we we didn't realize mike wasn't here but the i I have to say this if chauncey billups becomes the celtics head coach after the rick (laughs) tater traded chauncey billups in his rookie season i just you know i don't even know where mike's head's gonna go on that one Um, so so, it's probably
0: exploding right now
2: I, i know i think i think he's actually that's why he's not here he's in some monastic like doing a bunch of devotionals Right. Try to try to get the the good juju back on the Celtic, uh, back in the Celtic situation here. So anyway, so, yeah, go ahead, Dan. That's all I've got. I
3: I was just noticing this past week the the continuation of Chris Gasper's uh, striving for relevance on Twitter. Uh, He he let us know that he's a a Supreme Court (laughs) fan. Which uh, okay, yeah, and I guess that's reaching out to a wider it's, audience. That's kind of like being being
0: a fan of Elmer's glue.
3: And and he also uh, had one one tweet to try to expand our our, our vocabulary, it's where he was talking about um, Kansas City surfeit of quality pro- uh, pitching prospects. And I just wanted to say, uh, surfeit of quality pitching prospects was the worst Beach Boys song ever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, as much sophistry as uh, C- uh, Chris Gasper likes to bring, he he he's also a fan of of old people in robes who gets to change the lives of other people. That's uh, kind of kind of kind of makes sense in an odd way. My, I don't know
3: about you guys. My favorite uh, decision was Miranda, but that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Roe v. Wade, yeah, that I, I got that as as my top five, you know, right there. Um yeah, so my my final thought, I actually have a well, I guess not a surprise because we've talked about this, but um, I'm gonna be doing this willy-nilly. And this is for the 15. So
2: <laughs> yeah I'm Albert Greer!
0: One tell on people that haven't really watched Justin Fields play, calling him a runner. I'd say, if anything, most people who watched him at Ohio State would tell you they probably should have run him more. He played a position, larvae from the pocket the last two years, dude. Okay, that's that's my Albert beer impression because spot on.
1: <laughs> it's like he was in the room with us.
0: Yeah, so so hopeful. So hopefully, you got your your beer fixed. There you go. That's for the fifteen. Um, so I guess that'll do it. That's a podcast. Uh, uh hopefully mike will be in the podcaster once here next time but if he isn't uh well i I guess somebody did something to him Uh, maybe 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 bedard found him and, and and took him took him for a ride and made made him start his own website i don't know we'll see but until the next time we chat uh you can find skartzy at pat's cartel you can find dan at patriots daily you can find john at that John Irons. You can find myself at Atomic Dog5150. And that's dog the A W G, not D O G, because I know a lot of people get that confused. Um, so until next time, as Mike always says, turn off your radios.